The following is a conversation with Soraya Simi. Soraya is a filmmaker, writer, traveler, and lover of the ocean. We talk about crazy surf stories, learning to surf, and we wonder, is surfing selfish? Enjoy. One thing we ask on every episode is, tell us a crazy surf story. Ooh. Something that was a bit of a shit show, Ooh. unexpected. Oh man. Breaking okay. down in the middle of nowhere, boards flying off a of roof. Okay, wait, wait, damn, where do I start? <laughs> crazy surf story, what has been, man, I got a couple that came to mind right away. Do you want to hear um, a Nasri one? Do you want to hear Baja? Do you want to hear, I'm trying to think what else. When has shit hit the fan in California? Almost never. Um, all right, I'll say. Tell us a Baja one. Baja, all right. <laughs> um, huh, okay, I've got two, but I'll, I think, and they're both connected, but I'll, I'll, I'll give the spark notes version. Um, I was doing some work on this island called Isla Toda Santos off the coast of Ensenada. Uh, it's, a, it's a bird sanctuary, a marine sanctuary, a world surfing reserve. Um, it's where a very famous wave known as Killers breaks, which is aptly named uh, as there are 60-foot giants that just roll through. Um, doesn't have a really fickle spot, but when it does break, it is quite a thing to see. And um, chargers like Greg Long, uh, you know, big names like that will regularly be out there when that happens. And the first time I went was for a shoot we were doing um, at this company I used to work for, Farm League, and there had been several shipwrecks on the island. And we were doing a big cleanup because the boats had wrecked right on the point. And not only was this detrimental to the environment, but fucked up the point. You can't, now you're like surfing among shards of fiberglass and like a floating refrigerator and all this crap is on the beach and it's this like beautiful pristine ecosystem. So this kind of, um, corralled all the surfers and, and we went out and all was fine and good but still a lot of damage was left um, and I followed up with one of the surfers who's a local, his name's Vicente, uh, we became really good friends and about a year later I hit him up and I was like I would really love to go back to the island, it, it was very special to me, how, how do I get back out there and he said oh chica like you know the problem's not solved like there's still a ton of shit out in the island uh, you know boat wreckage stuff and he's like and there has been another um shipwreck since and i was really upset to hear that because it kind of felt like everyone kind of left them high and dry like people sort of got their instagram posts and whatever and then didn't really care to fully fully finish the problem not that it's a it's a you know is it the responsibility of like california nonprofits to come down and do that not necessarily but it was just it felt wrong and so um, I went down with a couple of my really good friends and we, we did like a Baja surf trip, but we decided to spend the first half of it going to the island. And um, unfortunately, the harbor master had deemed the swell too big for pangas and like other fishing boats to go out. So he actually banned anyone from leaving that day which was unfortunate when you're trying to get to the island to surf some big waves. And um, so we snuck out. We found a fisherman who would be willing to take us. We paid him all cash, 
arranged it. We're going to meet him at 3.30 in the morning, leave by 4, just sneak out in total darkness. And we get there, and we're right on time, but he's running late, and it kind of stresses us out because, like, you know, not trying to get caught doing this. And eventually, I don't think we left until, like, just before 5, and we finally are underway, um, you know, just the brink of, like, first lights coming through, and you can feel the swell, like, before you can even see it. Just this panga feels like it's about to bust on these waves. Just bleh, bleh. Like, everyone was pretty seasick right away. And then... Um, we didn't think anyone had seen us. And when we got to the island, it, this, in my memory, is still one of the most special adventures I've ever had. I was really young at the time, too. I think I was like 21. Um, we get to the island, we pull on up to the um, east side of the island, and he can't get too close because the rocks, so we're launching all the boards off, pelican cases, zipping up our wetsuits, throwing a Hail Mary, jumping in this like ice cold water, swimming over to the island, like there's sea lions popping up everywhere, trying not to think about sharks. We get on shore, we clamber up the cliffside, the hanging ladders, everything. There's something just so fucking fun about everything, how raw and rugged this like adventure is gonna be. And uh, as we climb up, top and we start making our way to the lighthouse which is where the point break is um the sun kind of breaks over the horizon and that mem this memory of this moment is just forever seared in in my bones uh, it's just fucking beautiful like first light so clean all of the we had a lot of rain that winter and the vegetation on the island was just sublime all of these beautiful yellow flowers and the the soil beneath our feet just felt so good and, we're, and everything smells good and we can hear the waves but you can't see them yet. And we walk about a mile with like all our heavy stuff and we make it to the end and the waves are pumping and everyone's just frothing. Sante's so stoked. I'm super excited with my camera gear and the lighthouse keeper comes down to meet us. He's got this really cute dog named Leon and Leon's like the friendliest dog you'll ever meet and he attacks us and covers up with us and kisses and we're just all we're on that natural high beyond what most people feel. And we haven't gotten water yet. And um, yeah, we just get, we get ready to go down. But before we go, um, Andreas, the lighthouse keeper says, hey, uh, I want to show you guys something. And he carries us to another side of the island where another shipwreck has happened. And it just was like, I start to take pictures and stuff to document. And he shakes his head, no, 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 don't, don't take pictures of this. Um, and I was kind of confused by that. And we, we walk back to the point, and there's still a ton of debris from the previous shipwrecks. And it just is like a bummer. I mean, a really big bummer. Like, when you have this contrast of such a high, and then immediately, like, wow, people don't give a fuck about this place. And um, we're not enough. Like, we're a team of four. We're not enough to solve this problem. And it's not, it's not just cleaning it up is not a long-term solution. Like, we need to stop the source of the problem. Um, which is up for discussion of what that really is. But um, anyway, yeah, Vicente really bummed him out. And uh, before he could even get in the water to surf, we got a call from the Federales <laughs> that <laughs> someone had, um, had, had told the harbor master that a panga had, had snuck out and they wanted our immediate return or else. And uh, yeah, that was a huge bummer. And so we had to call the fishermen back to come get us and I mean we were on the island for like less than an hour and I mean it is very strict you are supposed to get permits which we had gotten and everything like that it wasn't like a we weren't 
trying to break any rules. It was just... Um, they didn't want another shipwreck. Yeah, I don't know, what the hell. Some, something very sneaky was going on behind scenes there. Anyway, so uh, we left. No waves accounted for. Mm -hmm. And it was just this um, very sobering experience where, you know, it's not my country. It's not my break. It's not my spot at all. Uh, but when you feel really tapped into an environment like that, it like a weight gets added on your shoulder where you're like, I can't just leave like this. I don't know. It was There was some kind of lesson there that was that hit me at a very early age about just the way to travel to these places and get ready to see a lot of stuff that's like not necessarily going to be pleasant in direct contrast with the epicness of it all. Um, and I think about this a lot, how like our generation, you know, watching like old movies about how awesome it, like I watched Sea of Darkness recently, which was like about how Quicksilver got started and all these guys like discovering G-Land or reading Barbarian Days and like being the first one to surf fucking Tavarua, like that's awesome and untouched, you know, untouched ecosystems. And our generation is just, we have a different uh, like plate in front of us with there, there's this resource, and it's something that we love, but uh, this undeniable presence of like the human footprint there as well, and how destructive that is. And so for me, that's like those are two integral. There's not one without the other in my storytelling. Like I have to always communicate both. So yeah, it's a little bit. I'm not sure that was like a total shit show story, but that was a, an example of one like a. Great it story. Didn't, it didn't go totally right. <laughs> Why do you think he didn't want you to take any photos, Rex? Yeah, you know, this is um, something that's hard to talk publicly about because I'm not sure I have all the information and I don't want to say anything incorrectly, but um, just what kind of boats were shipwrecking there, why they were shipwrecking there, a lot of that is up for discussion of like uh, nefarious activities. Sounds like there's something they don't want to get out Yeah, of. so it was a bit hush-hush and um, I don't want to say anything that I don't ultimately know mm -hmm. to be true, but the, you know, those, that's my experience and those are the facts that I lived through, so. Very mysterious. Yes. Sometimes I wonder if surfing is inherently a selfish sport. Mm -hmm. There's a finite number of resources, finite number of waves. Everyone wants the same thing and it can sometimes lead to some tension out in the water. Have you ever thought that mm -hmm. surfing is kind of a selfish pursuit? Not at all. I think it's really interesting to use the word finite. Uh, why do you think it's finite? It's probably because of where I typically surf, mm. where there are more people than waves. There are mm. more people trying to catch waves than waves build mm -hmm. out. I love surfing on crowded waves. And when, when you have a couple of people out in the lineup and people are sharing waves, that to me is when I'm happiest surfing. Mm. But with the proliferation of wave pools, with surfing going into the Olympics, with sort of the the corporate side of the industry, it seems like there's more and more people getting out into the lineup. And I think that creates some tension yeah. and makes surfers selfish. Interesting. Dropping in, snaking, yeah. mm -hmm. localism, which that's a separate conversation. Localism isn't selfish necessarily. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think, I think selfishness is a very interesting concept and I've rerouted my brain, I think around it a lot differently than most people. Um, personally, I believe I have more of like an abundance mentality with the ocean, and this might be because I'm not a gnarly charger or ripper who gives a fuck about getting the like set wave of the day or whatever, but like, um, 
yeah, I think I think surfing is this it's this like exact pursuit of the infinite. It's this exact pursuit of like something that will never end. It's this energy source that pumps and pumps and pumps and it just travels all around the world and you can go anywhere and just follow the same swell and then just repeat it all over again and I get very philosophical and even mystical when I talk about the ocean this way but um, I would argue that there is nothing more selfless than pursuing this very um, deep uh, connection to nature that ultimately yes it costs money to get there and buy a board and all that stuff but like when you're doing it when you're doing the actual thing of like popping up on a wave it's free and it's this physical release um and the sense of limitlessness and like i don't know to me that's very profound and uh i understand why that that chase of that feeling like supersedes all else a lot of the time because when you're doing it there's like nothing more meaningful and that's why we all love it so much. Do you think that you're tapping into the infinite energy in the ocean? Or is it? Well. <laughs> <laughs> You've caught me on a day with a hangover here. Yeah, we, we partied last night. <laughs> let's jump in on this now. Let's see. Um, fuck yeah, you are. It's, it's called source energy. It's, um, it never stops. I mean, it's literally, it's, you know, let's think what groundswell is or what windswell is, you know, it's just this transferring of energy that turns into something else. And when you're lucky enough to ride that like little pulse of water that picks you up and carries you, that might be a several seconds long experience, but that feeling stays in your body. And then you have this stoke, right? That's why we created a word specifically for that feeling. That word originated from surfing, like stoke. And that energy in our bodies is carried and we emanate that into our community. When we go home, our friends, whatever, we're just feeling a little lighter, a little happier. And then that has just this ripple effect. Um, and meanwhile, that actual like tangible energy of that wave, you know, it crashed and then it got sucked back out to the ocean. And then some of it evaporated in the clouds and it got carried somewhere else. It's just this beautiful cycle of, of continuation with everything and you're part of it. As soon as you tap in on it, of course, it, it never ends. And then you go out the next day and you do it again. I think it's really awesome. It's also a sport you can do for your entire life, which is really unique when mm -hmm. it comes to sort of action type sports. Definitely. I'm 25 and my knees are slowly giving away to- You're too young to say a well, sentence like that, Teddy. <laughs> jumps, spins, flips on skis. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. A couple injuries and it changes things. But with surfing, it's, it's, it's so much more, in, in some ways, forgiving. Mm. <laughs> That's true. I think, you know, lack of gravity. Well, I mean, it's literally a different element. Um, snow is solid water, you know? Um, liquid is, there's something, uh, um, we don't breathe underwater. I mean, there's something about being a human being in that element that we feel very comfortable, but also it's like, it's not, hospitable long term you can't just be it's not our natural habitat and I think there's something to that where it's like literally a place you visit and then leave and then come back to and like this kind of infinite if you will like mystery about it and more stuff you have to uncover so I don't know um I also think about that a lot too like how Jerry Lopez or just one of my favorites um Albie Falzone uh 
yeah, how they've just carried this gift through their whole lives and um, nurtured it. And yeah, I think, I think that's super special. Can't wait. Switching gears a little bit. Have you noticed anything weird about being a, a sort of woman dealing with a male-dominated <laughs> industry? I travel a lot with my girlfriend to go surfing and she notices things that I don't. Mm. And sometimes she'll paddle out and it'll just be weird for her. Interesting. She'll feel uncomfortable. Yeah, well, um, your girlfriend is one of my best friends and I love that woman. And thanks to her, actually, I've learned how to assert myself in a lineup much better. Um, surfing with her is, I always have the best time of my life. Uh, so I've learned a lot about not underestimating my ability just because I'm a female in the water. Like, oh, there's other guys here. They obviously surf better than me. Nah, they fuck up all the time too. And I've learned to, I'll say this, I've learned to drop in, you know, because they do it to me. Yeah. And you just have yeah. to, you just have to yeah. show that you know, that you know what you're doing a lot of the time. And um, it's, it's, it's an etiquette that is subtle and it's just learned through experience. Um, but, Oh, definitely. I mean, on the industry side of it, like working in filmmaking or, or writing or photography. Oh, man, I don't know where the fuck to start on this one. But I don't like to say that things are because of my gender. It sucks. Like, I'm not one of those people that, like, typically blame stuff on that. But definitely in this industry, I, are, I already work in a male-dominated industry of filmmaking, um, surfing, exacerbates that so much more it's changing very quickly though as we speak I, like who i am around right now modern day march 5th 2022 like that model is on its way out hear me now people like the girls that i'm friends with everyone who's who's going to be everyone's bosses in the next five to ten years that paradigm is shifting big time the pendulum is swinging so i'm not worried about it but i have definitely felt in a lot of ways my Ability is underestimated um, by virtue of my gender, or um, another one that is something I've grappled with that I, I don't know exactly how to talk publicly about yet. But certainly this like uh, like a flirtatious approach with it. I don't know how else to put it, but a lot of very inappropriate behavior that I have seen from surfers or other people in the industry um, that has made me really uncomfortable. And I think the surf industry in a lot of ways has to has a lot of catching up to do in that regard. Like, um, but that's honestly, I don't know if you want to launch all that in your podcast. That's a that's a long, long conversation. <laughs> One thing, any projects coming up that we should keep an eye out for? Yes. Sariasimi.com. Sariasimi.com, baby. <laughs> um, yes, I'm actually writing my first book right now. It is a novel. And um, I've never written a novel before. I actually didn't consider myself a fiction writer at all. But it's based loosely on my experience living in Nazare, uh, season of 2020 and 2021. And yeah, so it's kind of about a young American woman who is living in this um, 12th century Portuguese fishing village uh, and falls in love, you know kind of thing. It's definitely a love story and a not and a not love story at all. Um, but it's also it, it has a you know this this tale of how the surf industrial complex has 
um, very much planted itself in the middle of this village that is centuries years old is very conservative in a lot of ways and this these the story of like juxtaposition and anyway I'm working on it I don't know entirely how to talk about it yet I'm about a third of the way done with my first draft but um, it's dark and it's gritty and and uh, please read it <laughs> Where can we follow along for updates? Ooh, um, I actually, I'm slowly but surely trying to get off social media, um, but I do have, I have an Instagram, it's just my name, Soraya.cme. But the best place is actually on my website, I have a monthly newsletter that I send out, and that's um, just kind of a more meaningful way where I compile the most important stuff I've got going on in, in one place. And um, yeah, I would say sign up for that. That's, that's, that's where the good shit is. Sweet. Well, it looks like the waves are pretty good right now. Ooh! I think it's time for a surf. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Teddy. Thanks, Dirtbag.